Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey, everybody, all you Braves fans getting ready for the playoffs, joining you on this Tuesday afternoon here at the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair Media and our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over. We have a triple header of fun this week. Football's in full effect with all these really weird type of scores that are going on. Baseball's heading into the playoffs finally. The NBA Finals are just about to get underway. We've got three major sports on for like the first time in, ever, in all I've ever seen. Uh, we just had the Stanley Cup Finals ended up, so congratulations to all you Tampa Bay Lightning fans. College football is now in full swing. Now the SEC has officially gotten underway. And you might actually be able to get to a game this year, but if you can't, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. If you go to Bet Online, they've got all your favorite prop bets, every line you could ever really want to bet, especially if you're not a degenerate. If you just want to throw a little money, maybe you're seeing that Braves country is acting kind of stupid in regards to this matchup, and you want to take advantage of everybody being on the Reds for some reason. Go to Bet Online. This would be a great time to do that. They're going to go the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable from game spreads, totals. Team totals, player, coaching props, whatever. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Just go to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Just mention that the Platinum Sombrero sent you. All right, so Doc, I uh, not so subtly alluded to it in that little read right there, but um, before we get too into the playoff preview, uh, let's take this opportunity for me to maybe ask you. Maybe you, you've got some insight that I don't. What is wrong with everybody? <laughs> I'm going to need you to be a lot more specific. But I think uh, just in the context of as it pertains to uh, Braves playoffs and Reds, it, it's it's easy to criticize Braves Twitter, or Braves Facebook, or Braves LinkedIn if such a thing exists. But, you know, we we function by imploding on ourselves and on each other. So it's not surprising to me that everybody in the world is terrified of the Reds. But, I mean, this is a national thing. If you're reading uh, The Athletic, they just had all of their... 
all of their national writers come together and do all of their brackets. And I think maybe 15% of them had the Braves advancing out of the wildcard round. Same thing for fan graphs. There were, out of, I think, 25 writers, they had four that had the Braves advancing to the NLCS, none advancing to the World Series. Now, look, this team is flawed, and... And we know it. We we don't even necessarily have to break down what each of the flaws are, because if you're listening to the Platinum Sombrero, you're obviously very informed. But there just seems to be this idea that the Braves are completely weak, and they can't overcome the Reds. Look, the Reds are a good team. They they made the playoffs, even with expanded playoffs. Are they, though? They are, but they there are certain things about them where, you know, the offense is hitting at a, at a historically unlucky clip. Um, the pitching is obviously very stout. The bullpen is better than, than I had realized. There are some things about this team that are kind of scary, but to kind of clam up as soon as you get to the playoffs and get indignant and say, well, why do we have to play a good team? It's the playoffs. That's what happens. And if you can't beat the Reds, you're not going to beat whoever you're going to face in the next round or the round after that. It only gets harder from here. So... It, as it pertains to, to Brave social media, like I said, I'm used to that. But the fact that this offense has been just praised all season long, like even when the pitching staff was imploding, you knew you could count on the offense to win you a 14-10 game. But now that just seems to be completely off the rails and nobody has faith in the offense at all anymore, which to me is just strange. I mean, this is this is as good of a chance as the Braves have had to make a deep playoff run and well, since last year, so that la- last year and the year before that, but yeah, I mean, this this offense is like historically stout. So it just makes no I'm, sense to me. Like, I mean, sure that the Reds have have a good top three, or at least they they look like an elite top three. But you brought this up on a tweet, and it was a really good tweet that everybody needs to be paying attention to. Like, the Reds didn't face anybody. They're in the NL Central. The NL Central's garbage. I mean, the Cubs aren't that good of a team. Nobody would be shocked if they lose to the Marlins. I don't think, anyway. I mean, the Brewers suck. The Cardinals are a horrible offense. They really weren't even a good pitching staff, either. The Pirates, probably the worst team in baseball. You can make it maybe make a case for, for Baltimore, but for my money, I think the Pirates are the worst because they, they aren't even playing that many young players. They're just an awful, awful team. And you had the numbers, which you can say here in a minute, but a lot of the Reds work with that starting three. A lot of those sterling numbers came against garbage offenses. I mean... The AL Central is the weakest in the AL. The NL Central is the weakest in the NL. Like, I don't understand why people are freaking out about facing Bauer, Castillo, and Sonny Gray as if the Braves haven't been facing Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, uh, Patrick Corbin for like the last five years. Not to mention, uh, they beat the brakes off of Garrett Cole uh, when they saw the Yankees last month. So... Here's what you were alluding to. So this is going to be kind of stat heavy, but everybody just stick with me here. Weighted runs created plus the ability to to create runs. League average is 100. And anything below that is sub-league average. So between Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray, they faced the Pittsburgh Pirates, whose weighted runs created plus was 73. They faced the Pirates five times. The Indians, whose WRC Plus was 86, faced them twice. The Brewers, who are a playoff team, and the Indians are a playoff team too, but this is largely on behind the strength of their pitching. Uh, the Brewers were 29 and 31, did make it in as the 8th seed, but be- between Bauer, Castillo, and Gray, faced them 8 times, WRC Plus with 89. The Tigers, the 23 and 35 Tigers, also had a WRC Plus of 89, and they faced them 5 times. Faced the Cubs... 
Playoff team Cubs won their division, but with uh, completely subpar seasons from Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo, faced them five times. WRC Plus was 91. For the Royals, it was actually higher than the Cubs. Theirs was 92. Faced them three times. St. Louis faced them three times. Minnesota. They did face the Twins twice, and their WRC Plus was 101. So 1% above league average for facing the Twins twice. The only actually elite level or quote-unquote elite level offense that any of these guys faced out of 34 starts with the Chicago White Sox. Trevor Bauer faced them, gave up two runs in seven innings, and lost the game. So listen, I'm not trying to tell anybody that Trevor Bauer is not good. Trevor Bauer is awesome. He was awesome with the Indians. He was awesome with the Diamondbacks. He was awesome when he was at UCLA. But he... You have to take his numbers into context. Same thing for Castillo. I made the statement last year at the trade deadline that if the Reds were actually interested in moving him, which seemed to be something that was being kicked around, I would give up more for Luis Castillo at the time than I would have given up for anybody that was out there available. Sonny Gray, as your number three, that's not fair. The dude is awesome. But at the same time, if you're strictly looking at their 2020 numbers, it's a weird year. You can't just do that. You know, you have to look at over the course of a 162-game season where things would normally, like even the things that, that we are really proud of, like Ozuna's numbers and Freddie's numbers, you give it another 100 games, it would probably normalize a little bit. And part of that's because they're facing the same NL East pitchers, and you would you would see guys like Bauer, Castillo, and Gray. You would see guys like you Darvish or Walker Bueller or... Denelson Lamette, anybody, you're going to see guys from different divisions, but this year it's so insular, you've, you've got to look at the information that is available to you. And to me, I would not be surprised if the Reds came in and took two out of three from the Braves, or took two out of two from the Braves, based strictly on the pitching. But if I'm looking strictly at the numbers here, they're not quite as robust when you start to dig into them. Now, you go over to StatCast and you start seeing fastball spin and exit velocities and hard hit contact rates. These guys have done very, very well against these crappy offenses, which, to their credit, that is what you're supposed to do. But they haven't seen anybody like what the Braves have done. They faced the White Sox one time, and the Braves had a more robust offense than the White Sox. So, And the fact that they are playing in Truist as opposed to playing at Great American Ballpark maybe does play to the Reds' advantage a little bit. It's a little bit bigger. The ball's not going to fly quite as much, especially since it's colder now, uh, quote-unquote colder. But I don't know. It's easy to clam up and say, well, we haven't won a playoff series in, in 19 years. Well, not untrue, but Ronald Acuna was only there for two of those. Ozzie Albies was only there for two of those. They're not really to blame for anything that happened before they got here. And this is a... This offense can hang with really good pitching, so... As far as what's wrong with everybody, that I can't really answer, but I think it's just human nature to to be fearful. But if the Braves can do what they've done against Trevor Bauer in the past, I'm not as scared as probably some other people. I'm not scared at all, especially here in Braves country. They keep talking about, oh, well, the pitching is so amazing. We here in Braves country know better than literally anybody else in baseball that the adage that pitching wins you championships is patently false. It is offense. The Braves have had outstanding pitching staffs throughout this 20-year drought in the playoffs, and it's because they, they don't win because they can't score in the playoffs. The Reds have an awful offense. They are the epitome of all or nothing. They have a lot of guys that can hit a lot of home runs. Their 
team BABIP is historically low. Now, you can say that, oh, they're due for positive regression, and you're right, too. But when it's an entire team that's falling victim to the same exact thing, it's also indicative that these guys just have that type of approach. There are players whose BABIPs will always be low because their approach is different. When your entire approach is to hit everything in the air as often as possible, your BABIP is going to be lower because if you're not hitting them out, if you hit a ball in the air and it doesn't go out of the yard, it's not that much different than hitting a ground ball as far as the the odds of it being a hit or being an out. So, yes, they have some guys on offense that you don't want to see get going. You know, Eugenio Suarez uh, had a, has a, had a horrible season. Uh, he's done much better in the last you know 20 games or so, but his start to the season was as bad as Aussie's, and it's made his, his line look a little bit worse. Mike Moustakis hasn't had a great season, but he's got power. We know that. Uh, Joey Votto is, is about three years past done at this point, and kind of caught up to him this year. This is just this is an offensive unit that struggled facing subpar pitching in the central. I'm not that worried about that. The Braves pitching is not elite. We know that. You're going to be relying on two rookies to be your two and three. You know, that's not ideal. But the difference is, while the Reds have some guys in the bullpen who are pretty good, again, though, I think those numbers are overinflated because they've played so many garbage teams. The Braves have a much better bullpen. You can say what you like, but the Braves have a way better bullpen than the Reds. The Braves have a way better offense than the Reds. Yes, you can you can say that the pitching has a chance to to make that null and void, but the Braves aren't seeing anything from those three that's any different or better than what they see day in and day out in the NL East. And that, to me, it, it just... It, I think it has more to do with the fact that the Braves haven't won a postseason series in 20 years, and so you're kind of already setting excuses up. Oh, well, this is not the Braves. This is not who the Braves want. You're kind of giving an out. There's no... Just like there wasn't an excuse for losing to the Cardinals last year, and we talk about the Cardinals' devil magic and all that stuff, but really, we're saying that facetiously, mostly facetiously, there was no excuse for the Braves to lose last year, and there's no excuse for the Braves to not be able to beat the Reds this year. I mean, you're the the number two team by playoff seeding. You're the number three team in the NL by record. You have the second best offense in baseball behind only the Dodgers, and we know what their lineup is. There's no excuse for the Braves not to be able to beat the Cincinnati Reds in a best-of-three series. It's just there is no there is no reason why you shouldn't be able to, as long as you don't let the pitchers go a full nine innings, which... It shouldn't happen. This offense is historically good for the Braves. I will take the Braves offense matching up against Luis Castillo, who has an electric changeup. That like that's his pitch. His changeup is just as good, if not better, than Ian Anderson's, and we know what Ian Anderson's changeup is. But it's not like he hasn't had starts where he gives up the long ball. That's something that can happen to him if his changeup command isn't perfect. If you throw a lot of a changeup and you don't put it exactly where you want, the spin on a changeup, it doesn't have a lot of spin. So what's going to happen is you fully provide all of the backspin to it, and it allows for more home runs to be given up. Bauer has been amazing this year. I'm not going to lie and say that he hasn't. But Bauer is also not as elite as these numbers are saying. Trevor Bauer is not a better pitcher than Jacob deGrom. He is not a better pitcher than Steven Strasburg. He is not a better pitcher than Max Scherzer. The Braves have handled these guys very well. Now, we now DeGrom's numbers have been great against the Braves. They've just been less great against the Braves than they have been everybody else. And that's, to me, I, I've got no fear of the Reds. They ha- One, they haven't played anybody. Two, if you're saying that your best point is pitching, then the Braves are your worst nightmare because they face elite pitching day in and day out in the NL East. So I'm, I'm not worried at all, and I, people need to calm down a little bit before. Uh, now, for the athletic guys, as far as national guys, it doesn't surprise me that they're taking the Reds. The Reds are the the Cinderella team this year, along with the Marlins. Um, I don't think that the national guys watch every team all the time. 
So they're just going to look at the rotations, and they're going to say, oh, the Braves don't match up well. This is a team that the Reds' offense can get right against. Well, yes and no. The Braves don't give up a ton of home runs, and that's about all the Reds are good at is hitting home runs. I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up. You know, home runs don't count towards Babbitt. So when we're talking about historically bad luck on balls in play, <coughs> excuse me, league average on balls in play this year was 292, and the Reds hit 245. So when you start thinking about positive regression, in a vacuum, positive regression is its own animal, okay? But like once you start contrasting that with some of the guys that they have on their offense, it's back of the baseball card type guys, somebody like Mike Moustakis, somebody like Nick Castellanos, you mentioned Eugenio Suarez, they and Vado, they've got some guys who have have some track records and ha- can <clears throat> have proven that they can be bruisers. Even with that being said, Jesse Winker was their most valuable offensive player, and he would have been the sixth most valuable player on the Braves this year. On the flip side, we saw how good Max Fried was, and he would have been the fourth best pitcher by by uh, value of uh, F war. So it's just two teams that seem to be kind of going in opposite directions, and it's natural to to kind of guard yourself against against what's going to happen. I'm more intrigued for just the individual matchups. Yeah, the series as a whole is going to be interesting, and it's going to play out however it plays out. But like when you're looking at methodology behind uh, Freed versus Bauer, like that is just a what a matchup that is, you know. And we be, because we're in the NL East, we, you know, we've seen like Soroka versus Degrom, and we we've seen Freed versus Strasburg or Scherzer or whatever. You know, we've seen some really good matchups that that we can throw our guys against. I mean, this is this is the playoff atmosphere. We weren't even sure whether the playoffs were going to happen at all. So the fact that we get Freed versus Bauer in Game One is huge. Anderson versus Castillo, like you said, a lot of changeups. There's going to be some high octane. There going to be some real nasty breaking pitches, and that that could be the game that is the decider for either side. The one that I'm really interested in is Kyle Wright versus Sonny Gray. One, because it, that's the elimination game on both sides, but it makes it that far. And also because this will be the best offense that Wright will have seen, even in his uh, in his resurgence. Okay, we can, we can talk about the Nationals, and yeah, they got Soto, and yeah, they got Turner. And the Mets, statistically, they... They did show out better than the Reds this year, but I think that when Wright saw them, I think that it was a kind of a perfect storm for him. Now, there's just something about this matchup to me that that screams like this could be like career making turn for Kyle Wright, or this could be full on implosion. And I think what it comes down to for me has to do with fans in the stands. For me, it comes down to fans being in the stands. So. I think that Wright has kind of been able to get over some of the things that he has been dealing with recently, because um, he's been able to sort it out, not by himself necessarily, but he's able to figure things out on the mound in a, a lot more of a low-stress environment. It used to be, you know, you send somebody down, triple A, into where he can pitch in front of 1,000 people instead of 21,000 people or 41,000 people, however many it may be. So when you're going out and it basically, like, this is a playoff game, okay? And this is going to be the first start for Freed, Anderson, and Wright. Anybody that the Braves are going to throw out this year is going to be their first ever playoff start. So I think that the moment could get so large if this was in your standard playoff atmosphere, but now... It's going to be, it's not going to be louder. It's not going to be more people. It's not going to be a whole bunch of people that just got hammered before the game started at 1 p.m. or whatever. It's just going to be just like it was 
when he faced the Mets, just like it was when he faced the Nationals. And yeah, there's going to be the mental aspect of knowing that you're pitching in a playoff game, but as soon as things start to go and the crowd is either egging you on or turning against you, depending on whether you're home or away or how you're doing or whatever, I think that could be a huge thing for Kyle because if he's not careful, he could wind up having some Fulty and Newcomb type stuff. And I'm not going to elaborate any more than just, just that, you know, the, the faulty and Nuka mental stuff right there. I think Wright could fall into that trap if he's not careful. Max doesn't bother me. Ian doesn't bother me. Honestly, Bryce kind of doesn't bother me either, but Kyle's the one who I think can, can tend to teeter. And based on what we're seeing out of him, trusting his stuff in big league games, in big league parks, if he can get past the mental aspect, I think the Braves could could take that matchup against Sonny Gray if it even gets that far. But I'd be curious to get individual um, thoughts on each of these matchups from you. Freed Bauer is a really, really good matchup. We've talked that we know Trevor Bauer's been good this year. We also know that when Max Freed is right, there's not there's not that many pitchers of baseball that I'd take ahead of him. And then you look at the Cincinnati Reds versus left-handed pitching. They are 18th in baseball, so they're a little bit below average. Um, they're just They've got a lot of guys that are all or nothing. We know Max doesn't give up hard contact. He doesn't give up home runs. And for a team like the Reds, that all they seem to be able to hit is home runs, that's a horrible, horrible matchup for them. And we know the Braves can take Bauer out of his game plan by simply taking pitches and fouling stuff off. He might whine about it and be his normal douchebag of self, but it works, and that's what they did in Cleveland. We know Bauer's been good this year. I know, I believe Kyle Body is kind of in charge of the Reds pitching right now, and he's a super smart guy, super intelligent. I understand all that, too. Um, but I'm not I'm not worried about that matchup. Even if you do lose to Bauer, which I actually think the Braves will beat Bauer, it's just kind of the way it's set up. I, I think that this team is, uh, I think this team is a little bit different from last year, that this team kind of feels like they have unfinished business. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, but I, I think they take Bauer. Ian Anderson and Luis Castillo, that's a fun matchup just for the changeup factors alone. Uh, we know that this, this is probably the two guys that have the two best changeups in baseball. It's always fun for me to see that. The question is going to be, how does Ian kind of go? He's had a couple starts that have been a little shaky in a row now. Is he able to keep his command kind of tight now that teams have seen him for a little bit? Now there's a little bit more Major League film on him. Uh, is he able to keep his pitch count efficient? But the Sonny Gray-Kyle Wright one, that's the... That's probably the worst matchup as far as the Braves pitching staff goes. And that's just because we've seen that Kyle, when he's in the strike zone more, has been brutalized a little bit. Now, it was earlier, but has been the most prone of the three to give up the long ball. And that's kind of the one thing you don't want to have to get to to the Braves. But I'm not all that certain that we even end up getting to a third game. I'm not going to sit here and say the Braves are going to sweep. But it certainly wouldn't shock me if they did. I mean, we know how good this offense is. We know how good this offense is late in games against other people's bullpens as well. So it's it's not just the individual pitching matchups. You also have the matchups of can Cincinnati's bullpen close out a game against the offense that is the best in baseball against relievers. And that, that to me is probably one of the bigger matchups is this Braves offense versus the Cincinnati bullpen. Because those starters aren't going to go nine innings apiece every single time. You're going to get to the bullpen. Rysel Iglesias is really talented, but he's also prone to big-time mistakes as well. So I'm not as I'm not as worried about that. I like the matchups just as a baseball fan because I love watching Luis Castillo. Uh, Sonny Gray is the type of pitcher that tends to give the Braves problems. He doesn't do anything He's not an overpowering pitcher. He's just a guy that works corners and throws a lot of junk, which we know the Braves can struggle with at times. But this is a different Braves lineup. This Braves lineup has shown the ability to take a lot more walks than they have in years past. I mean, even Acuna, this hasn't been the best season for him, but his walk rate's at like 20%. 
So it's not like it's not like these guys are giving away at bats very often. So uh, I think it's a I think it's a good matchup and. I want to talk about more than just the stats because you can make stats say kind of whatever you want them to say. The stats are what they are. You and I are our big stats guys. But more importantly is, is how does this kind of feel? And speaking of feel, I believe Doc has something new he's been working on from our friends at Manscaped. Doc? That is affirmative. We are brought to you not only by Bet Online, as Dylan alluded to, the uh, MLB playoffs have officially begun. You can go to Bet Online and make a whole lot of money, or you can make just a little. It's up to you. Also brought to you by the Coalition for Combined Literature, as well as Manscaped. Body maintenance is an art form, not a science. Art is open to interpretation, as is your aptitude for grooming yourself properly. And what constitutes proper form will vary from person to person, and everybody's individual follicular representation is a little bit different. But regardless of what your whether your entire body resembles a prepubescent muscle, Stash or a full-blown shout-out to the Wolfman, one thing is for certain, and that is Manscaped can help either way. The Lawnmower 3.0 is stout enough to tackle the deepest of deep grass while also being delicate enough to keep from mangling your stuff. You've got attachments, which means you've got options. You've got the Shears 2.0, allows you to finesse your package, but not in a weird way, just in a taking care of business kind of way. And when you're all done, freshen up with the Crop (laughs) Reviver and the Crop Preserver, which as the name indicates, or it would have if I'd said it right, it revives and also preserves. Shocking. Go to manscaped.com, use our promo code armchair for 20% off your order and free shipping. That's manscaped. Taking care of your business is our business. As you were. <laughs> so uh, I, I do want to talk about how this kind of this series kind of feels. And I alluded to it a little bit uh, before the excellent read by my partner there, but um, <laughs> this Thanks. this series doesn't this series just feels different. This Braves team doesn't feel like they're satisfied with the division title. They had one of those last year. They don't feel satisfied with making the postseason and being a high-seeded postseason team. They had that last year. This is a team that has a lot of unfinished business, and that's kind of been the mantra for them. Now, they have a lot of fun between Ozuna and Acuna and Ozzy, but anytime they're asked about it and they're asked towards the playoffs or whatever, you just see the look on their face. It's a different look. This is not a team, to me, that looks like they're just happy to be in the postseason. This is a team that feels like they need to banish some of the demons from last season, and that can be a little bit on the bad side if you if you play too tight. But I actually think that it should be a scary notion for anybody that the Braves are matching up with in the postseason because an angry Braves team in the first round is not the team that you want to draw. This is a team that is far too talented to have had the playoff drought that they have, that they've had. And this is a team backed by who should be the MVP, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, in, in getting up there in years, he's, he's had plenty of time to be known as the best player that can't do it in the postseason, I guess would be the the way you want to say it. You've got Acuna, who in his short time in the postseason last year was one of the best players in baseball during the postseason. He's already had some major postseason moments. Ozzy Albies is back hitting on fire. Marcelo Zuna is absolutely loving life outside of St. Louis. I mean, this is a team, Travis Darno himself has been a really, really good player offensively. This is a team that is doing a lot of things well, and they look like they've got their eye on getting out of the first round first. It doesn't look like a team that's taking the Reds for granted. It's a team that's kind of learned at this point because they do have a lot of flaws this year, but they've learned that you can't take any matchup for granted. So they they play all the way through every single time. And for a team like the Reds, they're not a team that's used to winning. And I know that's not something that you can really quantify in stats or anything like that, but it is true when you have teams that aren't quite used to the grind of, of postseason baseball or the difference in postseason baseball as opposed to Regular season baseball, by the way, everybody talking about the Braves haven't won a postseason series in 19 years. The Reds haven't won a postseason series since 1995. Um, this is a matchup that really lends well to the Braves, and I think that this is a, this matchup 
feels almost like a David and Goliath. I know everybody's picking the Cinderella story for the Reds. I don't think that matters to the Braves. This is a Braves team to me that it just feels like they're they're going to go out there and not allow themselves to lose again this year. You, you had me up until the David Goliath thing because Goliath lost. Um, you, you know this the thing about the Reds is yeah, it's the playoffs. In anything could happen. I would not be surprised if in any of the different ways that this could play out. Braves in two, Braves in three, Reds in two, Reds in three. I, none of those would surprise me. Reds offense shows up and averages sixteen runs a game. Braves pitching shows up and throws three straight shutouts. Nothing is off the table. But when you are looking at this Braves team, I, I think that exercising some demons is a pretty good way of looking at it. I mean, they they were deep enough to to win last year, and they had some really, really bad luck. There was the, the Chris Martin thing threw everything for a loop, so I know that in the last game of the season when it looked like he was dealing with some groin stuff, then it's, oh, here we go again. You know, that's, that's the common refrain. It's just, here we go again. But Acuna's back. Riley's back. Martin's back. The this ghost of bad luck, you know, it it gets bored sometimes and it tends to move around to other teams and hopefully it's done with us for right now because there there was some there was a logical loss in 2018, there was a heartbreaking loss in 2019 and this year I the Braves are just the better team, which is not to say that they're going to win because that's not always how it works in the playoffs, but I I think this team is very hungry and you know, having not just the young guys, but also having having your Marcelo Zunas and having your Travis Darnos and all of your your bullpen guys that, that you brought back, your veterans and everything. It's a it's a great mix of younger guys and guys who have made it a little bit farther than this. And it, it, it just, there's just something about this team for me. And look, we know all the reasons. It, it's obvious to say that the Braves aren't going to win because of their starting pitching, but every team has their flaw. And by and large, compared to the t- the flaws of some other teams. Braves starting pitching really isn't that bad. You know, you look at a team like the Cleveland Indians. Okay, they're about to go face the Yankees, and their offense is just awful. You know, they, they to me, the Indians are a very lucky team to have finished with the same record as the Braves. But when you start looking at their offense and their, particularly what's coming out of their outfield, I mean, they're, they're DOA to me. I don't even have them making it out of the wild card round. So, and every team has got something. You know, unless, unless of course, you're the Dodgers. But I think the thing about the Dodgers now is that they're just the Dodgers. And they've got that 90s Braves thing going on where it's like, well, we can win the division, but then what? You know, how how far are we going to make it before we run into some immovable force? So I personally, I said earlier in the in the offseason, granted this was back in spring training, before COVID happened, and then Soroka and Fulte and Nuke and Tukey and... whatever it may be, all of the weird things that have happened since then. I said that the Braves were going to beat the Twins in the World Series in five games. I said it six, seven, God, that's seven months ago. And I'm sticking with it. I can think of a thousand reasons to talk myself out of it, but I believed it once. I believe it now. Kyle Wright's going to win World Series MVP. I like that's all I got, dude. I mean, we we're not gonna if we can't beat the Reds, we're not gonna beat anybody. I just said that if they if they do beat the Reds, they face the winner of Cubs versus Marlins, and then they move on to the uh, NLCS if they can take that. And I think just getting the first win, even if it's not Ronald Acuna's fault, he knows the Braves haven't won a, a playoff series since he was four years old, three four years old. You know, he wants to be the one to put an end to that, and he was almost able to do it last year. So, and that's that's him and Ozzy and Ozuna and everybody, not to mention Freddie Freeman who. This year, 
This is his year. It seems like a very charmed year for Freddy. And we're just lucky that he didn't die. Right. Right. The real question is, the only question is, and I know my thoughts on this, but I'm, I'm going to allow you to do this first. And this will be our final thing before we close out for the playoff preview and I can get this thing posted. Um, did Freddy do enough in your mind to win the MVP? Yes. Yes, he did. I, I think... Because of, we talked a little bit about Ozuna's defense and how that's going to be the thing that's keeping him from getting more MVP votes because you want somebody to be a little more well-rounded. And you also don't want teammates to take votes away from each other. Now, I think that with, you could see if Ozuna was better on defense, he would take votes from Freddie. But because he's not, I don't think he's going to, at least not like for being one, two, three. You'll you'll see Ozuna get some down-ballot votes for sure. But I think with Machado and Tatis, they're both well-rounded enough on offense and defense to where you could make a case for either of them. But I think that because they're teammates, they will take votes from each other. So one, Freddie earned it. And two, I don't think that San Diego, I don't think that either of those guys are going to have anybody that is just completely loyal and pledging allegiance just to Machado. I think you're going to see some real division there. So not only did Freddie earn it, I think that he's going to have that on his side as well. What do you think? Do you think he won it? Uh, I think if you are not voting for Freddie Freeman, you deserve or we deserve an explanation as to why you're not voting for him. And you should have to back it up with statistics about why you're voting for Machado or Tatis or whoever over Freddie. Because if you're going statistically speaking, Freddie has everybody beat. The only person who was a better offensive player was Juan Soto. And Juan Soto is not going to get any of those votes because he didn't play enough games. Number one. Number two, his team was awful. We can talk about how that shouldn't be uh, a reason. We can talk about how that shouldn't matter because Mike Trout has multiple MVP awards. But there you go. That's going to be a reason. And if you're telling me that your vote is between Tatis Machado and Freddie Freeman, you should have to explain why it is not Freddie Freeman, despite the fact that Freddie has far better offensive statistics, which, by the way, that's the only thing that matters in an MVP vote. People do not vote an MVP for defense. If that were the case, Anderson Simmons would have about seven MVPs right now. They do not vote on the strength of defense. They vote on the strength of offense. They vote on how you carry your team. Freddie has been the unquestioned number one on a team that features Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, and Marcelo Zuna. Everybody who's talking about Fernando Tatis, I think that the, the biggest thing working to Freddie's disadvantage is he is not flashy. And people are ultimately kind of stupid. And they gravitate towards the flashy player. They gravitate towards the person that reaches out and grabs your attention. And that's going to be Fernando Tatis. Now, I think Tatis would have a better shot at getting it than Manny Machado because Machado is also a tool. And I do think that while nobody's going to say that works against him, I do think that it plays in people's minds to where you'll downplay his numbers a little bit because you've got an inherent bias against him because he's a dirty player and he's also a tool bag. Um, but Machado's had a really good year. And I think that there's, there's some credence to the fact that Machado could take some vo- uh, some votes away for ta- from Tatis. I don't think it's going to happen because Tatis has the young player factor and the superstar factor and the super jovial and, and super out there, super attention-grabbing thing. I think this is between Freddie and it's between Tatis. And you look at Tatis, he's played half of a season well. He had one outstanding month. I believe his month of uh, August was like a 178 WRC+, plus, something like that, something outrageous. But... In September, it was like 55 WRC+. plus. It's essentially ender-level offense in the second half of the season. And that's you cannot win MVP if you played half of a season. It's just you, especially when you're going up against a guy in Freddie who has been extremely consistent outside of the first two weeks where he was coming back from COVID. Aside from that two-week stretch, Freddie has been the best offensive player in baseball. 
He has done everything. Extra base hits. The only thing he doesn't have is big home run totals, which shouldn't really matter because he's done everything else. You can talk about Ozuna, how he was a he had a chance to be a triple crown winner, but Freddie has done everything else. He's got the average, he's got the OPP, he's got the slugging, he's hitting tons of extra base hits, he's hitting important guys. He's got walk-offs, he's got two grand slams. Freddie has done more this season than any Brave in the last few years since Chipper won the MVP. This is the best case for the Braves to win a World Series. The thing is, are you going to vote based on what should happen, or are you going to vote on who you wish or what you wish could happen? Because people are going to want Tatis to win him because he's so young, because he's so fun to watch, and because he's such a, a personality in the game. But there's no way you can look at the two and tell me that Fernando Tatis Jr. deserves to win the award over Freddie Freeman. It's as simple as that. One other thing, you were talking about the big home run totals. Freddie hit 13, which when you break that this out into an entire season, is 35 home runs. Which, granted, that's not you know hitting 45 or 50 or anything, but when you pair that with you know hitting 340 and basically having a 500 OBP for the course of an entire season, then um, yeah, that's that's pretty stout to me. That's I don't I don't see how you could necessarily choose any other way. And you talk about Tatis having the lead in home runs. Let's not forget that he hit like twelve or fourteen of those in the first month of the season. His I would be I would be I would like to see what his September home run totals were because his WRC plus kind of indicates that he lost the power, he lost the ability to hit, he lost the ability to to do a lot of things. He had a really bad month of September, and you can't just overlook that. Well, and, and Freddie was the NL Player of the Month for September, which is basically half of the season anyway. And Freddie's got the narrative. Going with him too. Not only was it the the two grand slams thing that he, but the COVID thing. That's big. That is a big deal. The reason why this season got postponed. And Freddie's not like a superstar like you're talking about. He's not a flashy player. Everybody knows how good he is. He's basically like Votto was. Votto was very underrated for a very long time. But those who paid very close attention know that even I know that you hate his batting stance and the way that he chokes up and everything. But Votto was solid for a really long time, and Freddie stepped into that role. But for somebody who was well known across the league for years as being a really really solid guy who's kind of never really slumping, like he's had five or six or six, like really, really good years in a row, that now that he was dealing, he was staring COVID in the face, and so was MLB, and, you know, he became, you know, like the face of MLB for that one moment, you know what I mean? So, to me, it's it's all just kind of swirling together for him, but real quick right turn, I know we got to get out of here, if the Braves don't win the World Series, who do you want to win? I want the Padres to win if the Braves don't win. I want the Padres or the White Sox to win because I think it'd be fun for baseball. I don't want to see the Dodgers win anything. They've got this weird sort they've got this super sense of entitlement to them as if like because the Red Sox and the Astros cheated as if that absolves uh, LA of having a lot of the same sort of rumors circulating about them uh, or it absolves them of the fact that they're guys that just because they have a lot of money and they have a great farm system that they somehow deserve to win too as if they haven't they don't take any sort of responsibility for losses it's always all oh, it's because somebody else cheated no I, I, I don't want the Dodgers to win anything um, I don't like the Dodgers I like a lot of the individual players, but I don't like the Dodgers as a whole. I don't like a lot of West Coast teams, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do like the Padres. They're a fun young team. I like the way that they've built. I don't like that they... I can't stand Jace Tingler. Um, I thought they were really stupid to have put Andy Green through all of the rebuild to get them to building the team and then firing him right as the young guys start getting ready. But uh, I like that Padres team. I like that White Sox team. It also helps that they've got a lot of guys that I've been like crushing over when they were pro- prospects. But also, 
I think if I had to pick one, probably the Blue Jays. Again, I love their young players. I love Bo Bichette. I love Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I love Nate Pearson. I love a lot of their young... Kevin Biggio. I love a lot of their young players. Um, I, I would like... If it's not going to be the Braves, I want it to be one of these fun young teams because that's the way that I like... I like the way baseball is going with an emphasis on the, the personalities and how much... And how good these young guys are. I, want to, I don't want a retread team. I don't want a team of of 34, 35-year-olds to win. I want a young team to win it. You're not pulling for the uh, Houston Astros redemption tour? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, again, it goes down to a uh, weird sense of entitlement for the Astros to, to fight and, and just be super smug and indignant about how much everybody was hating them and then for it to come out and then for all of them to be awful this year. Um, I think that's a nice sense of karma. Um, I, I just... I, I just want it to be young. I want it to be the Braves. And outside of that, if you're really holding my feet to the fire, I don't really care who wins it if it's not the Braves. Um, but I'd prefer it to be one of the younger teams. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I, I've i got my, my brother. Uh, he lives up in Minnesota, which is, which is part of why I, I pull for the Twins. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was a Cubs fan before I was a Braves fan. So, I mean, obviously there's some affiliation there. And I can't believe I'm actually about to say this in a recorded way. If the Braves can't win the World Series, I want the Miami Marlins to win everything. Because there is no team in the playoffs right now that, I don't want to say deserves to be there less, but I mean, we everybody picked the Marlins to finish last in the division. And part of the reason why they made it was because, yeah, the Nationals underperformed and Anthony Rendon left and Strasburg didn't pitch this year. And, you know, the Mets, they just met it as hard as they could. And the Phillies, even after having traded Sixto Sanchez for JT Romuto, Still couldn't get in. And so the Marlins kind of fell backwards into the playoffs. And it looked like they were even fading towards the end of the year. But, yeah, I'm looking at the bracket right now, and you could make a case for any of these teams. But, like, the Marlins, they've never been, like, one of those division rivals like the Phillies or the Mets, where, like, even even when you're neck and neck with the Marlins, you can still, like, ah, they're trying so hard. That's so cute. You know what I mean? Like, they just, I don't know. I would love to see them... Because they, they have never won a division, and they have never lost a playoff series. They Every time they make it to the playoffs as a wild card, they win the World Series. Just a weird piece of history. If they could pull that off for a third time, just what a cool story that would be. It's not going to happen, but it would be cool. Absolutely, but I think we can both agree that this should be uh, the easiest road for the Braves to hoe in a while as far as how they would match up the NLCS as well. Uh, because I do think that the Padres can give the Dodgers every bit that they want. Because I don't, because um, Bueller hasn't been good this year either. The Dodgers don't have a, a super strong rotation. Dustin May has been really strong this year, but it's not like he's been unhittable either. Um, weirdly enough, he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts for a guy that can throw a hundred mile an hour two seamer that moves like eight feet. But um, I, I, I would like to see the Padres knock out the Dodgers, and I'd love to see the Braves match up with the Padres in the NLCS. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But overall, we got to go ahead and end this episode so we can get this posted at a uh, decent time. I know you guys are watching uh, the, the AL side of the playoffs right now. But all we're going to say in closing is go Braves. Get thanks. Bye. <laughs>